Welcome back to the Crooked Spine Show. Today we get to understand how the brain and gut work together in connection to keep our body healthy. My guest today I've had several times before is phenomenal. Her name is Lane Van Leishout. She does a great job explaining, communicating how this works properly. She is a functional health clinician, has done a great job working with her clients, either individual or as a group, to get them healthy away from the medical model of medication only and understanding how lifestyle is a huge portion to get our bodies healthy in the long run. Today's topics include the impact of our brain and, and mental health, understanding also what a leaky gut and brain gut and leaky brain is, understanding how mental health affects our gut and how this can affect us in a, in a, a good or bad way, and how to optimize both the, the brain and the gut together. And what is a good is having a gut cleanse, is that good short-term and long-term? What kinds are different types they are and also how often you should do them. Other things too to get our body and brain healthy, especially through our overall lifestyle, maintain that over time. So links for Miss Elaine is on the overall show notes. Her website, her Instagram, her TikTok, phenomenal. And she has a great resource called Energy Rescue, her ebook you can get through from the, from the link on the post also. So enjoy the talk, my friends. Again, we have links to previous podcasts as a video or as a podcast. Enjoy the week, my friends. Have a good day, and I'll see you soon. Hello again, Dr. Tony, with the host of Crooked Spine. I'm here with Lane Valishout. She is my gut health expert, my diabetes expert, my anxiety. She's everything expert. She's my expert, okay? We're here to talk about gut and brain health, how it works together to keep your body well. My, and what Lane's going to do is help us understand what is gut health, how it connects to your brain, and also how we can keep our gut and brain healthy for psychological and physical health. So Lane Tito, give us your background again to how things are going. Yeah, so I'm Lane. I'm a functional health practitioner, which y'all probably have heard of functional medicine by now, listening to Dr. Tony and learning from him. But the goal of functional medicine is to understand why you're having certain symptoms or certain health concerns, but more importantly, what is the root cause of them? And therefore, how can we support the body naturally to overcome whatever the root causes may be? So I primarily help millennial women in their 20s and 30s who are dealing with various hormonal imbalances, gut health issues, mood or energy shifts. So um, especially things like menstrual irregularities, PMS, lots of pain, IBS, bloating, energy crashes, mood swings, stuff like that is really, really common among my clients. Uh, I work virtually uh, so I can help people no matter where they live in the country and even in some other countries. But my primary focus is doing functional labs. So seeing where there are imbalances in your body. And then from there, we will tailor a protocol to your body because we're also unique, so our body should be treated as such. And so how can we support your body based on what your labs show, based on your symptoms, based on your goals and your lifestyle? And then I'll walk you through that process step by step so that you feel totally supported. You're getting education, you're being empowered essentially to know how and why you can make these changes. So um, my background is more in the traditional medicine realm. I worked um, in the health and wellness field for over 14 years now, probably, and formally shifted to functional medicine about two years ago. I just, you know, once you know functional medicine, you can't go back. A lot of it is you have the medical background. You've gone through all that school. We understand how labs work. I think a lot of it is we talked about in previous shows too. It's how you interpret those labs. How do you interpret your blood work? How do you interpret your symptoms? Even though it's, I tell, I tell my patient, it's a picture. An x-ray for me is a picture. But the x-ray, how you interpret that x-ray to your health, what you're feeling now, and, it, and it may, you may be medically okay, 
health-wise, but you're not where you want to be. I think what you're doing is a phenomenal job getting people that higher quality of health and life physically, psychologically, so they can, they can enjoy their day. Exactly. Because we know we so often settle for good enough, especially uh -huh. in this modern world, like it's enough to get by, uh -huh. but we deserve so much more than that. And sometimes it can progress to the point where it is in your face, something is wrong. And like, it's your body kind of screaming out at you at this point. So you don't want to wait, let it go that far if you can help it, which I get life, life gets in the way sometimes. And that's just what it, you know, how it goes sometimes and that's okay this is, this is you you're in a growing field because people are so frustrated with a medical doctor saying i don't feel okay but you're saying i'm okay is it in my head do i have to see a therapist and i know so many doc medical doctors have been telling their patients even my patients you go see a therapist because you have a mental issue not not a physical issue no your body will affect your psychological we'll talk about in a minute and and it's frustrating when doctors tell you that so you're giving people answers to help them understand the physicality affecting affecting the psychological and vice versa Absolutely. And that was really kind of where my journey started with this shift towards functional medicine is because I was really struggling with anxiety and hadn't really dealt with that much in my life, you know, at least to this extent where it was affecting my day to day. I was having physical symptoms of anxiety, like dizziness, chest tightness, insomnia, you know, just really heading towards full blown burnout. And I was starting to have gut issues. Like I would be, you know, having discomfort at the end of the day after food. I, I swore I probably had an ulcer at one point, <laughs> but it was really frustrating to then seek care and thankfully have a normal workup. It's still like, well, well, what is it then? You know, and that's like the the question is like, well, your symptoms are not in your head. You know your body best. And so we really have to advocate for ourselves. And I think that's where functional medicine can come in and make a massive difference for someone. And, and getting to the topics too, you understand how the body works. You've gone through your own, if you want to call it, uh, not call it revival, but now you understand how it works and your body feels great. How do we understand how our gut impacts our brain, our mental health, our psychology? Yeah. So it, there's so many ways that it's connected. There's like three or four main points I think that we'll cover today because they're so important. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about gut health, I feel like people don't fully understand what that means because it's kind of like a, a trendy word right now, but like, what does that even mean? And so our gut encompasses our stomach, our small and large intestines and our liver and gallbladder and pancreas play a role in that too. So it's all kind of connected. Um, and so one way that our gut impacts our brain and mental health is the gut microbiome. So that's the natural balance of the bacteria and viruses and fungi that live in our gut. They're supposed to be there and they have been co-evolving with humans for as long as we've been around. So we have this gut microbiome. So it's like a garden of different bugs and they are responsible for a lot of different functions in the body. They help us um, with metabolism. They help us with hormone balance and they also help produce neurotransmitters. So around 90% of serotonin is actually made in the gut. And then 50%. What, what is serotonin for? So my audience may not know. What is serotonin for? Oh, so serotonin is really helpful for moods and like mental clarity. Um, it also helps us, you know, avoid impulses. So it helps like with impulse control and cravings and stuff like that. And then dopamine is about 50% produced in the gut. So that's really essential for mood and energy as well and concentration. And, now, these neurotransmitters that are produced in the gut don't just go to the brain like they don't travel to the brain. They don't cross that barrier, that blood brain barrier, which we'll talk more about the barriers, too. And 
But one thing that they, how they influence the brain is that they help with neural transmission. So the signals among our nervous system and our vagus nerve is one of the most talked about nerves and it runs from gut to brain. And so a lot of these neurotransmitters are, you know, what are influencing what that vagus nerve tells our brain. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of it is that it's allowing your body to function either normal or abnormal, but also it's connecting to your brain. So whatever you're in is your, your, your biome in your gut that like you've mentioned intestinal tract, the small intestines and everything connecting there to help it function, regulate properly. It's going to let your body know and your brain know, Hey, look, there's something going on here. Yeah. So our, when we talk about the nervous system, that feels like, like another trendy word. So the nervous mm -hmm. system is your brain, your spinal cord and all the nerves that come from it. Yes. And it's a very, if you were to stretch out all of your nerves, it's like 40 miles long or something like crazy. And so time zone, you gotta keep going. That's all it is. It's crazy. So when our, our nervous system is responsible for constantly picking up signals from our external environment and internal environment. And so those signals, it's, you know, what's going on around us in the room. It's what we're reading on the, on the internet. It's what we're thinking. And it's also what we're consuming as far as like food and stuff like that. All of those are messages. And those messages are either going to tell the brain, Hey, are we safe? Or are these signals of more like fear and danger and stuff like that? And part of it too, if you mentioned hormones such as dopamine and serotonin, what are the, those are relaxation, good mood hormones, positive hormones, make our body feel good, even connect them through the vagus nerve to our brain, make our brain then signals they work together, keep the body, if you want to call it less stressed, more relaxed. What are the other hormones that may affect our body to feel more stressed and how are they, how to get to the body? Um, well, cortisol is a main one as long as well as adrenaline and norepinephrine. There are other stress hormones. So all three of those are stress hormones produced by the adrenal glands, which I talk about quite a bit. because they're, they're so integral in all other hormones in our body. So our brain doesn't know the difference in different types of stress. They're all, you know, kind of processed the same way. It can be physical stress. It can be mental, emotional stress. It could be that you just watched a distressing news story. It could be that you have a long to-do list. It could be that you're sitting in traffic. It doesn't matter. All the stress will Im impact okay. our <coughs> nervous system, which will tell our brain, these are the signals that are coming in. We should be in fight or flight. The brain will then tell the adrenals to make more or less stress hormone based on the experience. And so when we have increased cortisol and adrenaline and norepinephrine, we're going to feel more anxious, more fight or flight. And that impacts all other hormones, especially our glucose, our thyroid, and even stemming down to our estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. It's almost like a feedback loop where it can affect our body short-term, but also long-term to make our body see in a chronic, if you want to call it stress state, where it affects both the brain and getting the whole body overall, correct? Yeah. And our body is so brilliant. Like it is, we are well, we are built to well weather stress here and there. Sure. But the problem sure. is when the stress doesn't go away, which is the case in the modern world a lot. And mm -hmm. that's when the problems start arising because the body's having to continuously shift and compensate for all of the things that we're asking of our body to do and the environment that we're asking it to live. Well, and that's the thing is our body will start time wearing itself down, wearing itself out. Is that what comes into the leaky gut, leaky brain syndrome or how does that work? Yeah. So for leaky gut, if anyone's heard that term, essentially what that means is we have a gut lining. It's got a mucosal layer, which is really protective. And then just beneath that is a one cell thick barrier. And that is what separates the gut from the rest of the body. And when you think of all that we're ingesting and all of the byproducts of digestion and metabolism, those are, those can be really inflammatory. And that's just, you know, kind of 
how it works. And it's okay if they stay in the gut. The gut's, you know, really resilient and strong. It can handle that. But when that barrier gets worn down, which happens over time, this happens because of stress, because of inflammatory foods, because of blood sugar imbalance, because of an imbalance in the gut microbiome. So some of the bugs, if they overgrow, they can cause inflammation in the gut. And then we worry about things like toxins, like heavy metals, mold, parasites, infections, certain medications like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, steroids, all of these things impact that gut lining and it can become thinner and that wear and tear makes it more leaky. So when that leakiness happens, the fire that should stay in the gut, the metabolic byproducts, the digestive byproducts, they can now potentially cross out of the gut. And that's going to expose our immune system to these particles that should not be anywhere except in the gut. And so that immune system is going to, you know, trigger the alarms. It is going to say foreign invader, red flags, this shouldn't be here. And it's going to mount an attack and create that immune response and inflammation. And how does that connect that inflammatory response in the body, um, in the bloodstream, for example, to cross that blood brain barrier into your body itself, not saying intestinal tract or lining, how does that connect to the actual brain leaky gut or leaky brain? Mm -hmm. So the gut lining is semi-permeable, meaning that only certain things can go in or out. Like we want nutrients to be absorbed from the gut, but we want all the other byproducts to stay in the gut. Yeah. So the blood, blood brain barrier is similar. It's only semi-permeable. So certain things can cross it, certain things cannot. However, when the immune system is under fire and is constantly being exposed to these inflammatory byproducts and is creating these antibodies to these foreign invaders that shouldn't be outside of the gut, they can travel via the bloodstream to the brain and cause inflammation on that blood-brain barrier, just like those things cause inflammation on the gut. And so they are really commonly seen together because we know that gut health is at the center of so many other imbalances in the body, especially when it comes to like our mental health and our, you know, our mood, our energy, our cognition, our sleep, our memory, stuff like that. When people are struggling with that, we really have to consider what's going on in the gut that's maybe traveling and able to affect the brain. And when that blood brain barrier gets worn down, much like leaky gut, and you have this leaky blood brain barrier, that's now able to cause neuroinflammation, which is where all the symptoms come from. It's almost like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if the feedback loop is coming from your intestinal tract, now these toxins cross the leaky gut barrier into your bloodstream. Now that blood has traveled to your brain to now, now, now cross that blood brain barrier to now make your neuro make your neurotransmitters fire that stress response to now make your body stay under stress. Yes, and that's another connection is you know the body knows when things are in the wrong place. The that when that in, immune system mounts a response, that's a stressor on the body. And so that's going to affect our stress hormones for sure, which will only, you know, compound the effects of the already existing insult to the neurological system. So on top of the blood brain barrier being broken down and our nervous system being exposed to these inflammatory particles, now we have an internal stress response to this very process, which will make us even more fight or flight, stressed, anxious, poor sleep, stuff like that. Does it also, you know, we're talking about the neurological aspect and how it affects us neurologically, chemically, even hormonally too. How does it affect us psychologically when our body's under that type of a, of a chronic stress, even short-term stress, I guess, both. 
Yeah. So well, with short-term stress, people will often feel like more wired and on high alert because that's your body's way of protecting you. So if you, if your brain is worried that a bear is chasing you, and again, it doesn't know the difference between a bear or, mm -hmm. you know, just a stressful day at work, yeah. it, it's going to process it the same. So that is going to trigger that fight or flight. You're going to be more anxious, more restless. Often people struggle to sleep and stuff like that. And then long-term, if that threat doesn't go away and the body doesn't kind of calm down and kind of flip back into our rest and digest parasympathetic state, then the body can shift that stress hormone output and actually decrease it or skew it. So people can kind of run into this progression of dis-ease dis or imbalance where they their symptoms progress, they struggle more and more with hormones and energy, energy crashes even more, sleep is all over the place. And eventually they can reach total burnout. Like they can sleep all night and still want to sleep all day because, you know, the eight hours just simply isn't enough because their body is trying to heal. And so it's trying to make them more tired wow. so that they will rest more and heal. But there's a lot of other interconnectedness with the hormones too. It might be a little bit too deep. <laughs> for A lot of it is that you're getting to it is that vicious, that cycle of, okay, I'm trying to recover, but my body is still in a stress state. It's still fatigued. It's still tired. It's still, maybe just so low. I don't feel good. I feel maybe, maybe overly stressed or even anxious, depressed too. What is the medical, if you want to call it treatment for someone like that, symptom-wise versus, and then talk about the risk, we'll call exactly how you would help somebody. So the medical treatment would be tricky and it's very dependent on the patient and the provider and like how progressive the provider might be as far as like investigating root causes. Okay. And so a lot of times they'll, you know, will they would pursue like kind of basic labs and if things are off here and there, you know, just kind of share that. But a lot of times these things don't show up in basic lab work. And so uh, I find that a lot of people who do seek care often feel like they weren't really like provided with any answers. And that's really, really frustrating. And I can relate totally. And then when people come to me with this, which usually I do see some degree of like cortisol imbalance or nervous system dysregulation affecting our mood, affecting our gut, vice versa. And so we start off by getting labs and those are kind of dependent on the symptoms with depending on like which ones we pursue. Are we going to do a stool test? Are we going to do hormone tests? Are we going to do both? And all of that will help guide us in how can we can support the body while we address the root causes. The root causes are usually a combination of three different things nutrient poor food. So we're not bringing on the proper nutrition or we're eating inflammatory things that are leading to a cascade of inflammation in the body, okay. stress of any sort. So all the examples we've talked about today, as well as toxins. So things that we are exposed to in our air and our water and the things we slather on our skin and the things that we ingest. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me when, when one of my uh, professors told me this is that sometimes foods that are so processed look more like a toxin than a food to our body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how when we look at the big picture, what we eat, if you have never done this before, McDonald's probably is the best diet for you. But unless you've told, unless you've looked at the ingredients and, and you've seen things, you're never going to know. So let's see if talk to someone like Lane that can walk you through what foods are good, what toxins may be bad. If, if you're like me, you had COVID, you have long COVID, you may be put on long-term medications. Those are have heavy metals that can affect your immune system, your gut and your brain health. So yes, you may need that, but what can you do to make sure you feel good beyond just not having the medical conditions that you may have been diagnosed with? 
Right. And absolutely. We sometimes do need medications. They are absolutely life-saving, especially in acute situations and emergency situations. So we cannot discount the purpose of that. But for long-term solutions, we want really want to see if we can avoid medications long-term. And again, sometimes they will be necessary. Absolutely. Yeah, but, in, part, in part, we're talking about too, the, the nutrition part of it, how do we start looking into because then you do assessments for your clients too. How do you start breaking down their nutrient uh, foods that they do bring in and how do you break down what's good, what's bad? So my philosophy on food is like, we want to use food as medicine as much as possible. I mean, we could be on a hundred supplements and like, but who wants that, you know? No. So how can we utilize a, one of the major resources that we have day to day as medicine to reduce inflammation, drive down inflammation, support the gut, support the brain, and therefore help reduce all of our symptoms that are so aggravating. And my um, out, outlook on it is how can we stick to whole foods as much as possible? Huge. Now, it's, it's unreasonable to think that we can totally avoid processed foods. That would be like a futile task, but we can minimize it. So how can we, one, maximize our whole foods? different colored fruits and vegetables, high quality protein, whether that's from animal, fish or plants and healthy fats like nuts and seeds and um, avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, stuff like that. And that is going to provide the body not only the very amino acids that are needed to produce neurotransmitters, but also lots of different fibers and phytonutrients that will support our gut microbiome and our digestion. And then minimizing the processed foods. So yes, here and there, it's, it's going to be okay. Find a good balance with them, hopefully. As long as you can like maximize the whole food, a little bit of processed food here and there isn't going to be the end of the world. And yeah. then at the end of the day, we always want to prioritize an environment that is going to allow us to heal. So one that allows us to, you know, get restful sleep, that we can enjoy our day to day. We are prioritizing joy. We are prioritizing um, relaxation and play and stuff like that, because that's going to help support our nervous system on a massive level. It's almost, yes, we have to worry about our, our diet or nutrition, but also have to worry about our outside stress. Are we able to minimize that? And like you said, self-care and find a way to make that our routine also. Yes. And so when I talk about self-care a lot, it's not just, you know, going to get a pedicure and stuff like that. Like, that's great. That's yeah. great. Keep the pedicures. But there's a lot more that we can do for our mind and body to help our bodies heal. And maybe that looks like spending more time in community with your family and loved ones and friends, you know, really taking advantage of nature and being outdoors, going on walks. You can even meditate, listen to calming music, uh, anything that brings you joy or relaxation. And sometimes it can feel hard to find time for those things, but I really challenge my clients to do at least one good thing for your mental health every single day, even if it's for five minutes. And those things will add up and you will notice a difference. It's almost those things talk about that help relax the body, get the body to more of, if you want to call it a better balance, they can produce the, the serotonin that your body needs to body. So hormonally also, your body will actually get it to heal faster, correct? Versus when you're under stress. Yeah. Yeah. When we're in fight or flight, the body's not interested in healing because we don't have time to repair tissue or, or rebalance hormones. We are just worried about survival at that point. And so we have to find ways to prove to the brain that we're actually safe. Then there, there's not a bear chasing us. And that's an active practice. We can't just do it once and think that, oh, it's it's better now. <laughs> we, it's, a, it's an ongoing thing because we have to utilize these different tools in the context of the modern world because there's a lot to to deal with and we have to just continuously 
remind ourselves of of the power that we do have to flip back into that rest and digest state. Well, and I'm assuming someone doesn't come to you after one day, hey, I feel stressed today. I want to get in there and figure out what's up in my gut and my brain. So you can deal with it for probably weeks and months, correct? Sometimes even years. Months to years usually yeah. because, yeah, like we said earlier, you know, the body can handle a little stress here and there mm-hmm. as long as you flip back into the rest and digest state. But when you don't, that's when imbalances can really stack up and take a toll on your mental health, your gut health, your hormone balance. So, well, yeah, almost like it's, your body's almost used to that, that abnormal state of being in a stress state. And then it, then when you're having the change back to normal, it may take you, I mean, I tell my patient for three to four or five weeks based on their, how long they've been in that stress state. What's the range with your patients that you see now, your clients that have had be able to switch back to a, if you want to call it relaxed state or more of a balanced state. So most people, when uh, there's a question on my intake questionnaire that says, when was the last time you felt well? And what is mind blowing and heartbreaking is sometimes that they're like, I don't remember. I have no idea when I last felt well. And that, you know, my heart so goes out to these people because, you know, they've just adapted their life to accept this kind of status quo, even though they know that they're meant for more. But a lot of times they also will blame it on, you know, they're over 30 now. And so, you know, everything goes downhill after that. Absolutely not guys. 30 (laughs) is not old. Okay. And, you know, because they're a busy mom or they're, you know, working full time. So they they make excuses for why they might feel poorly. So once they we, we start addressing the foundations and nutrition and sleep and stress resiliency and gut health and hormones, I would say within a matter of sometimes as little as two to three weeks, we can start seeing symptom improvement. But it's also a long it's the long game. Right. We're not looking for quick fixes here we can get rapid relief within a few weeks. And that's amazing. That's always my goal is to really turn things around quickly. Mm -hmm. But we have to remember that's not always the root cause that we are addressing. So we still have to work to chip away at the root causes. And so my programs are typically four to six months. Good. Because that close follow-up and that step-by-step support is really where I see the transformation. Um, I have a group program going right now. This is only cycled a couple of times a year. So right now I'm only offering one-on-one coaching, but the group program, I actually met with some of the ladies one-on-one this week, and we were looking at their symptom questionnaire from the beginning versus six weeks later. And there is like drastic improvement in, in the score. Like someone came to me with like a score of 91 and yesterday it was 45. And so huge celebrations for that. You're, you're helping someone when you do that too with the scoring and the, and the testing, you're giving someone a way to quantitate their progress to make sure that they're accountable for their results, correct? Or you're making sure they're doing the right things to get better. Yes. It's a quant, it's like a, an objective observation of like, because, because, you know, symptoms are subjective, but when we can put a number to it, it helps us see it from an objective viewpoint kind of how things are progressing, because sometimes it's kind of subtle that you don't realize how far you've come until you compare the two scores and you're like, wow, I'm apparently 50% better. Like, how amazing is that? <laughs> and you say, like I said, I like your four to six months window to, to see improvement because that's going to be a change to a, a better state of health. Or now you now your whole body, brain, gut, everything is there and can stay there, correct? Yeah. So by the end of the four to six months, one of the questions I ask them is like, how confident are you in being able to sustain all of the things you've learned and achieved? And they're like 10 out of 10. I can, I've proven to myself that I can do this. And when they can see the symptom questionnaire improvement, they're also proving to themselves that it's possible. And that builds a lot of encouragement. I like that you're building up the encouragement, but also through accountability, doing the right things. And then they can maintain that 
now they know what a normal standard for them should be. And then when they're dropping up, okay, would I eat something bad? Am I getting off my diet? Am I taking more things? What am I doing? That's making my body feel more stressed. You're getting a better standard of health. Yeah, exactly. Huge. Before we go to the last topic, we talked about, we, we went over that before too. Anything else I missed so far on the topics or anything you want to talk about with the gut and brain health? Yeah. One last thing is that, you know, we talked about how the gut impacts the brain, right. but there's also the flip side of that. So our yeah. mental health affects our brain or sorry, our brain affects our gut as well. Right. So mm -hmm. when we're in stress, a stress day, like fight or flight, the gut is not a priority. Our body is worried about running from that bear, prioritizing survival, and digestion is absolutely not necessary for survival. So this has the Cheetos alone when you're being chased by a bear, correct? Leave, right, leave. right. Not yes. interested, not interested in that at this oh. moment. <laughs> Let's just get to safety first. Good. And so one, that sympathetic fight or flight response will decrease blood flow to the gut, which will impact the gut lining, which can impair that barrier. Also, okay. we can have reduced stomach acid and digestive enzyme release. So when those things aren't getting released during meal times, then there's going to be less food breakdown. When the food sits around for longer, that's going to contribute to bloating because things are um, fermenting in the gut microbiome. The bugs have a lot to do with that. And then also when we're not breaking foods down, we can lead to nutrient insufficiencies. Things aren't getting absorbed properly. So not only are the very nutrients we need to protect our brain and our hormones, they're not getting absorbed, but also we run the risk of ha having certain bugs in our gut overgrow because they're just able to feast on all of our food because it's just sitting there. It's not getting digested. Sure. That can lead to, <laughs> does that sound gross? That can lead to a lot of GI distress, IBS symptoms, bloating, heartburn, and therefore can impact our neurotransmitters as well when the balance is also another um, connection with mood and energy. It's almost that, like you said, that cycle of how the body works properly. And when you don't do the right things, you're going to feel wake and you feel bloated. You're not going to, you may not know what that reason is. That's what they sometimes will say is stress will make you want to gain weight. It's not the stress, it's your body's response to stress as that has that breakdown of the each step that actually occurs that you can actually fix over time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I've actually had um, some clients who weren't even like trying to lose weight necessarily, like, but they, we started removing like suspected food intolerances. And when we take those off the table, have less inflammation and less immune response, they drop weight, like within a matter of weeks. And they're like, you know, this wasn't even a major goal, but I'm sure happy about it. <laughs> and that's the thing is when we're sometimes you have side benefits of just doing the right things for our body. Yes. Yeah. Now, so the body will naturally feel well when everything is balanced, when our mm -hmm. gut is in good shape, our brain will be in a better place. Our hormones will be better. And so all of the other things just kind of fall into place naturally when things are balanced. Perfect. And going, going to our last topic before we kind of close everything out too, we talked a little bit before the show, how, cause a lot of people are into, doing a gut cleanse or a detox or taking, going to a, uh, if you want to call it a facility and getting these liquids every day and, and doing a detox that way, uh, a physical detox. How effective is that to help your body short-term, long-term? What would you, what's your ideas on that? 
So I think that I primarily like to focus on detoxing as like a way of life, like not necessarily like an act that you go and perform, but how can we detox our body through choosing better food and minimizing that processed food? That in itself will help you detox better because you're removing the inflammation and you're supporting the gut and the liver, which are two of our biggest main detox organs. Uh And then also, are we hydrating properly? We detox through urine. And so if we can, we flush toxins out that way, we need to make sure we're pooping every day. And if the, the, if urination and pooping are not in line, we don't want to detox anything else. We have to start there because otherwise things will get backed up. That is the final pathway of elimination. And so if that's not performing properly, then all of the other detox practices will not really be helpful because the toxins can just recirculate because they're not coming out still. It's getting everything to flow properly. Like you'd mentioned, uh, you're, you have to go circulate. If it comes in your mouth, it has to come out the other way a period of time. If not, all those bugs start become growing and become like a bad horror movie. It's bad in there. No, don't do that. No. Yeah. One of my professors also said it's like a sci-fi level, you know, drama in the gut because of all the bugs, like constant warfare. But another thing too, is how can we reduce toxin exposure through our personal care products? Cause that has a lot of burden on our liver as well. Um, because a lot of what we put on our skin gets absorbed and that's just, you know, something that we have to, we've become more aware of in the more recent years and decades. So how can we switch to safer, less toxic skincare products, cleaning products, um, avoiding fragrance and stuff like that? Because all of those things, when they do get absorbed into the body, they can have an impact on our hormones. And a lot of that goes back to, they can mimic estrogen, which can throw off our estrogen and progesterone balance and really contribute to a lot of things like PMS, period issues, stuff like that. And a lot of people don't realize if they take a testosterone supplement or for guys, especially testosterone cream or estrogen cream, that, that cream goes into your bloodstream that affects your body's ability to self-regulate. So now you're adding a, a artificial supplement Now your body's going to deregulate to now not even produce even more. Yeah. So because of the negative feedback loop that that has, when the body's sensing that, you know, external or exogenous hormone is coming in, then therefore we must not have to produce any because there's already, you know, enough coming in. So that's kind of how the body perceives it. But if you were to actually do like, like, for example, if someone's on like some progesterone, progestin uh, creams versus tablets, prescription pills, stuff like that, like for birth control or, you know, whatever to raise progesterone, then a lot of times when we test, it'll still be low. Mm -hmm. It's almost your body knows what to do. It's like you said, it's very, very intelligent. We don't Mm -hmm. want to think out the system. We want to make sure the system's working properly. Correct. Yep. Boom. It's made up my head. That's awesome. Good. (laughs) (laughs) And also your, your takeaway today, like I said, we, this is, I think a third or fourth show. You're a a wealth of information. If if I have someone, I'm going to go, Hey, go talk to Lane. She'll figure out something for you. I like coaching because coaching gives you that short step to get yourself healthy now. I think that's the plan for a lot of us. What's your takeaway today, Miss Lane? I would say just remember how the gut and brain are connected. So if your mood, energy, sleep is off, start with your gut and start with your daily practices like habits and routines. It's often like the little shifts, like the micro shifts that can add up and accumulate to make a bigger positive change. And so please make sure you are prioritizing some form of self-care at least a few minutes per day because you want to prove to your brain that you're safe, which will have a positive impact on your mood, your nervous system, your sleep, your quality of life and your digestion. And when it comes to stress, 
our brain also doesn't know the difference between an actual threat that already happened or that is currently happening versus something we're just thinking about. So that's like the perceived threat of something as well as going to trigger the same stress response. And something I, a phrase I think is really impactful is that stress is really only about 10% of what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. Nice. And when we're healthy, we're going to have a healthy response. We're not going to have where we might, we may over-exaggerate a response, correct? Yeah. And so one of my goals with my clients is always acknowledging we cannot get rid of every single stress in the world. What What is in our control, though? But beyond that, how can we build our body and mind up to be more resilient for whenever the stressors do come? Because they will. But we want to be able to bounce back quickly. And last thing to going to your, your notes, your show notes. What is your free resource, the Energy Rescue ebook? What is that? Yeah. So my ebook is called The Energy Rescue, and it breaks down like the top three root causes. So really diving into like how nutrition, stress and toxins affect all of these systems in our body. But then it also has three major areas of action steps that people can start today with just kind of simple everyday stuff. Also within that ebook are several links to other resources. So it's honestly like packed with so much stuff. It's a great place to start whether you're just starting on your journey or you're, you're ready for like a little bit more resources. Um, LinkedIn is also a webinar, like a, a masterclass training I did on overcoming burnout. So lots of good stuff there. And again, she does a great job educating her, her clients, getting things going. This is part of the resource. That point, enjoy them, my friends. Again, her to her website is lvwellnessconsulting.com. Links from the show for Instagram and also on her TikTok too. Phenomenal TikToks. Congratulations, by the way. You made it to TikTok. Congrats. And, then, and again, and then for everyone listening, talk to Lane about what's going on with your body. Get your body healthy because it's your body. We can't we can't do it without you actually connecting with the people. So Lane, thank you again. And we'll go back.